You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Taking up one's cross is not a call to patiently, passively endure, uh, but it's a call to take hold of life and to stand against injustice, even if there's a cost for doing so. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 223 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast, where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and and what the teachings of Jesus, a first century Jewish prophet of the poor, might have to offer us today in our work of survival and resistance and liberation, restoration and transformation. Our title this week is Taking One's Cross, and our feature text is uh, Sings Gospel Q, 4. 1427, the one who does not take one's cross and follow after me cannot be my disciple. Our companion text are Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Luke 14, 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Gospel of Thomas 55, 2, Jesus says, and whoever will not take up his cross as I do will not be worthy of me. Before we begin this week, given the events of of this past week here in the United States, we at Renewed Heart Ministries want to take a moment and reaffirm our commitment to stand with those of you who are our uh, transgender and gender nonconforming family and friends. We're going to continue working alongside each of you to end discrimination, to end transphobia, and to end the false gender constructs that are within our society. Um, We want you to know that we value you and we are glad you're here. You're not alone. You are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And I've been waiting for months for us to get to, to this week's saying. And last fall, I was invited to a conference on nonviolence and the atonement. And I chose to speak on violent forms of nonviolence, how atonement theories that, that treat the violent death of Jesus as salvific, how they don't bear nonviolent fruit. Uh, toward the the survivors of violence. And, and we considered how penal substitution has procured or produced violence, but we also weighed the violence that has come from more nonviolent, quote-unquote, um, supposedly nonviolent theories, such as uh, Moral Influence and Christus Victor. And I wish the recording of those talks had been, had been published. Um, I'll be giving a very similar presentation again this October, and I'll make sure that uh, we at, here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we publish that recording. But uh, this week's saying is related to all of this. Taking up one's cross has been used over and over to prioritize oppressors over survivors and to encourage the oppressed to passively and patiently just endure. And these ways of interpreting our saying this week, take up your cross, they've proven very convenient for oppressors and those who who don't want to disrupt the power imbalance of the status quo. So when one spouse suffers physical or emotional abuse at the hands of another, for example, um, how many times have Christian pastors counseled the abused spouse to to bear their cross or, or to be like Jesus and simply turn the other cheek? And we've covered this previously in this series, I'll give you a link to where we've done that in the past in this week's e-site. But we've covered how turning the other cheek 
was for Jesus when we understand it on its cultural backdrop. It was a in its cultural context. It was a call to creative, nonviolent forms of disruption, of protest and resistance. And it gave those who were pushed to the undersides and edges of society a way to reclaim and affirm themselves despite being dehumanized. And this week, um, I want to suggest, as feminist and womanist scholars also do, that taking up one's cross is not a call to patiently, passively endure, uh, but it's a call to take hold of life and to stand against injustice, even if there's a cost for doing so. And this saying is a, is a call, rather, um, not to passively suffer, but to protest, even in if the status quo is threatening suffering for you doing so. And there's a subtle difference, but, but the implications are huge. And, and what we're discussing this week is called the myth of redemptive suffering. And we have over and over again this year repeated Joan Carlson Brown and Rebecca Parker's statement in their essay, God So Loved the World, um, that honestly by now most of you should have this, this paragraph memorized. But I have repeatedly used it this year to actually lead up to our saying that we're considering this week. It's for this moment, this week, right now. And it's again from Christianity, Patriarch and Abuse, pages uh, 1 through 30. It's not acceptance of suffering that gives life. It's commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not, am I willing to suffer, but do I desire to fully live? This distinction is subtle and to some spacious, but in the end, it makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. If you believe that acceptance of suffering gives life, then your resources for confronting perpetrators of violence and abuse will be numbed. What was Jesus talking about then when he said, take up your cross, and those who can't take up their cross can't be my disciple? Well, first, um, Borg and Crossan, they both correctly remind us that Jesus's cross in the Gospels was about participation, not substitution. This is from their book, The Last Week, what the Gospels really teach about Jesus's final days in Jerusalem. For Mark, the cross is about participation with Jesus and not substitution by Jesus. Mark has those followers recognize enough of that challenge that they change the subject and avoid the issue every time. And while I agree with Borg and Crossan's, uh, their, their point about participation rather than substitution, I disagree with their interpretation that a cross or suffering that that's an intrinsic part of following Jesus. I, I don't subscribe to the idea that suffering is an intrinsic precursor uh, to triumph or success. Uh, suffering only enters into the picture of following Jesus if those that are benefiting from the status quo feel threatened. Um, it only enters the picture if if those who feel threatened by the changes that Jesus' new social vision would make, um, they threaten Jesus' followers with a cross to, to try to keep them silent. And in other words, being willing to take up one's cross is not the call to be passive in the face of suffering, but to protest and resist in the face of being threatened with a cross. And Jesus could have very well said that anyone who's not willing to protest and resist, even in the face of a threatened cross, is not worthy of me. The cross in this context, it does not mean remaining passive. It means being willing to endure the results of disrupting, confronting, resisting, and protesting injustice. And the cross is not a symbol of passivity, 
but of the consequence. It's, it's a symbol of the consequences of resistance. It's a symbol of the suffering that those in power threaten protesters with to scare them into remaining passive. And remember, the question is not how much am I willing to suffer, but how badly do I want to live? If, if those in power threaten you with a cross, then it becomes necessary. And it's at that point that it becomes necessary for you to take up a cross and to stand against injustice. Otherwise, the cross never comes into the picture. Protesting, uh, for instance, it, it doesn't always involve being arrested. But, it, but if it does, the point of this week's saying is protest anyway, take up that cross. And, and just two weeks ago, uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber II was arrested uh, during a health care bill protest uh, there in D.C. And I'll put a link to, to the news article on that. And matter of fact, Dr. James Cromwell is in jail right now for participating with others in an environmental protest in, in upstate New York. And the goal in scenarios like these is not to suffer. Um, but to refuse to let go of life, even when faced with consequences for doing so. And again, the question is not, are you willing to suffer, but do you desire to fully live? And how one interprets this week's saying, it has deep implications for survivals of relational violence, as well as uh, for all those who are engaging in any form of social justice work. When those who feel threatened when they try to intimidate and to silence your voice through through fear of an imposed cross, this week's saying calls us to count the cost and then refuse to let go of life. Take up that cross and keep protesting, keep resisting, stand up anyway. Don't be silenced. Uh, reject death. And we're going to talk about more of this next week when Jesus says those who find their life will lose it and those who lose their life will find it because that's a related, what's the next saying in Saints Gospel Q, but it's also very related to this week's. But for clarity, I want to re return for a moment to the relational violence example just to illustrate. And first, there's the relational violence itself. And, and for those of you who are visual, I'm going to try to put some diagrams into the e-site this week so you can see this. But, but we have a choice in our response. So first, there's a, a, a abuse. And then you have, if you can imagine a flowchart, you have a choice between patiently, passively enduring that abuse or option two, to resist that abuse. And too often, Jesus's teaching of, of taking up the cross has been interpreted so that abuse itself um, is the cross. So if, if abuse equals the cross, then what it means to take up one's cross or to bear one's cross is to patiently and passively endure. It's option number one, not option number two of the resist. Instead, this week, what I'm asking you to consider is that the abuse is not the cross, but an initial injustice. And in this model, the cross is the threat one receives for standing up to or resisting injustice. So if we put it back into a flow chart, you have the abuse or the injustice, and then you have those two options again, either to passively and patiently endure or option number two, to resist. And if you choose to resist, then there's the threatened consequence if one does not uh, go back to being silent, if one does not remain silent. It's the threatened consequence of if you don't stay passive, then we're going to put you on a cross. That's where the cross comes in. It's not the initial abuse. It's the response of those in power or in, in, with the imbalance of power uh, against those who are resisting. And therefore, the decision to stand up anyway, the decision to keep resisting, 
is the equivalent of taking up one's cross. And my interpretation of this week's saying that Jesus is is not encouraging his followers to remain passive, but to resist, to do something, to stand up, uh, to to, to voice your concern, and and, and to, to actively engage change. If a cross comes into the picture, the saying this week is telling us to resist anyway. Jesus's nonviolence was rooted in resistance, and sometimes change happens uh, before there's a cross, before there's a backlash. So, so bearing the cross in those instances, it wouldn't be intrinsic to following Jesus. Again, it only enters the picture when those who are threatened choose to add the cross to the picture. And Jesus was proposing, remember, a new social vision, a way of doing life as a community um, that threatened those that most benefited by the systems of domination and exploitation. Uh, the, the way of Jesus was rooted in resource sharing and wealth redistribution. Um, it was bringing those on the edges of society into a shared table where their voices could be heard and, and valued too. And, and did the early Jesus movement threaten those in positions of power and privilege? Well, you bet. And, and, and Jesus this week seems to be saying when those in power choose to threaten back with a cross for those standing up to systemic injustice, don't let go. Keep holding on to hope, even in the face of impossible odds. Keep holding on to life. And remember, that was life to the full. Stand up um, anyway. And sings Gospel Q, 1427, the one who does not take one's cross and follow after me cannot be my disciple. Heart group application this week. This week, I want you to take some time to thoughtfully read and consider Brown and Parker's entire essay. We've been quoting from it in that one paragraph all year, but I want you to go back and reread the entire, <clears throat> excuse me, the entire essay for God so loved the world. I'll give you a link to it in the e-site this week so you can go directly to it. So number one, I want you to read the, e- the, the essay. Then number two, I want you to take notes Uh, journal your thoughts, your questions, your challenges, new insights you might get. And then number three, pick three things from your notes to share and discuss with your heart group this coming week. And then number four, share that. And and I agree with Brown and Parker. Their interpretation may be uh, subtle, but it makes all the difference in the world in how we respond to suffering and oppression. Next week, starting next Friday night, is our first 525-1 weekend event in Asheville, North Carolina, and we're scheduling many more after this one, but we're so excited for this first one, to be moving in this new direction with our community, and if if you haven't signed up to be part of making these events happen, you can do so at our bit.ly link. It's uh, bit.ly forward slash RHM 525-1, or you can go to renewedheartministries.com and just click donate and sign up to to be one of our monthly supporters there. Um, But you can find out more if you go to the the bit.ly link, uh, the the bit.ly forward slash RHM 525.1. And there you can find out why we're making these changes, how, how you can support these new events, these new weekend events. And, and most importantly, how you can have us come to your community to, to share. I'm so glad you've decided to check in with us this week. Uh, keep wherever you are. Keep living in love right there where you are. And, and, and know that you're not alone. We're, we are engaging together the teachings of Jesus, and we're seeking out ways uh, to, to, that we can participate in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation till our world becomes a safe uh, compassionate, just home for everyone, or as we're fond of saying around here, till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.
Thank you.